Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Corey Worden. I'm the administrator for the ASSP Healthcare Practice Specialty. And as always, you're listening to the ASSP HealthBeat podcast, which is our official podcast for the ASSP Healthcare Practice Specialty, where we cover different hazards and relevant topics regarding safety in the rarefied healthcare profession. So with that being said, today we've got a really cool episode coming up. Uh, Today we have Jeff Peoples, who is the man behind Tomahawk Safety, and he's got a lot of great information where we're going to be talking about the uh, hyper-relevant topic of PPE, or as developments, manufacturing, distribution, and all the things that go into that, including some of these very relevant topics about uh, needs assessments and supply line deficiencies, or or not deficiencies, but uh, variances and, and counterfeiting, and these things that have all affected us so much in the last year. So he's certainly got a wealth of subject matter expertise. So with that being said, um, I don't want to speak, speak for you, but uh, Jeff, we appreciate being here. If you could kind of give everybody just a little bit about yourself, um, your career, what you're up to these days and and all that good stuff, we'd appreciate it. Well, well great. Thank you. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to be on the show. Um, uh, I grew up in rural Georgia, uh, as, you, as everyone is going to know as soon as I start talking. Uh, came to Texas, uh, went to college in semi-rural Texas and uh, Lubbock and Texas Tech. I spent, um, you know, much of my early years in professional world in different uh, sales and in positions like that. Uh, settled in on uh, industrial lubricants and fuels and worked there for quite a while. Um, I had a great, uh, very great mentor in that in that world and and followed him into the safety world. I began working years ago in. Uh, safety gloves, um, different safety PPE, industrial side of safety equipment for a large company uh, based here in, in, in Texas, in Houston, actually. Um, they, they sold to a group and I left them a few years ago and was blessed to um, start my own company with my partners. Uh, my partners uh, approached me a few years ago to to somehow marry the fact that they had spent their entire careers in the medical side of the world and I had spent mine, on, you know, spent mine for the prior eight or so years in the industrial safety world uh, and to marry the two and say, okay, well, look, we can put this together and make a really great company. And and, and that's how Tomahawk Safety was founded about three years ago. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And that's, that's important. You know, like you said, is, is being able to identify where those particular needs are, you know, in terms of, the different industries and the different task assessments and needs assessments and the way that PPE factors into that with with hazard controls. So that that's great that y'all are able to to get that together and and put some you know value added value added product out there. Well, we made it. We made it in time. You know, we were we were very lucky in the fact that we were we got our legs under us just before you know the, the COVID COVID hit. Right, we were. We were a company going and uh, running and gunning, and we had our processes and we had our distribution, and we, you know, we had done all our quality checks, and we were a full, you know, mature company at that point. So, uh, you know, that helped us, you know, be as flexible as we could be and be as, you know, proactive as we could be, you know, as, as, you know, during this time. I hate to say, you know, anyone can be proactive. Everybody was reactive, but, but we did the best we could, and we were we were able to do that because we had enough time before it started to to make a positive, you know, a positive effect on, on the, on the supply chain and for our customers. 
absolutely. Yeah, the last year is has certainly been volatile. So um, I know you mentioned the, the healthcare side of things. So what um, with with Tomahawk, how do y'all factor into into healthcare operations? What type of services do you do you provide or products and whatnot? Well, I think a lot like most companies, um, you know, we had what we we I guess what we call our bread and butter, which was nitrile gloves, uh, you know, safety glasses and things like that. We, you know, we were niche into medical gowns. We were niche into different things like that. But it became primary when we, you know, all of our customers were, you know, in a dire situation. I mean, the, the market and the whole idea of doing business as a supplier, as a buyer from their point of view was flipped upside down. You know, they had, you know, they they were all accustomed to doing business a certain type of way, right? Uh, you know, our, our products were commodities. They were all developed overseas, uh, that primarily in China, as the world now knows. Um, <clears throat> no real new technology, uh, just kind of more or less people were, you know, supply chains and, that, and that's what it was. And, and, and in that in those pre uh, pre pandemic times, all all of the you know the buyers dictated terms. Most hospitals are are inside of buying groups that buy for you know several hundred entities, and they could dictate terms, could buy in large quantities, and and the prices would be you know brought down. Service probably suffered a little bit because of that, you know. And all of a sudden the world changes, and and now they can't get anything. You know, the, the supply chain has been disrupted in a way no one could have ever imagined. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't really understand supply chain. There can't be too much of a break in it before it breaks the back of the industry it's serving. And a month long break is what we really, you know, is that, that's what we really had in, in, the, in these months. And that ruined everything. That messed up everyone it caused an outright panic I you know we went from you know competing with everyone else to try to get our products in the door to them begging us because they really have no no, no other alternatives and, and their industry is vital right they're hospitals they're treating people and they need these products in order to protect their own workers and and, and they, you know their workers can't get sick they can't contract this thing because if they do you know, it gets infinitely worse. The problem gets infinitely worse. So, you know, we're in for non We enter a phase of non-traditional purchasing, and uh, and and that kind of led to some, you know, some of the the chaos you had seen. Uh, new people quickly entered the market. Uh, people with good intentions and bad intentions. And um, now, the supply these buyers have to figure out who's who and uh, costs uh, went through the roof for a lot of products, obviously, supply and demand. And we did our best, um, you know, at Tomahawk to try to vet this out and and, and also, uh, you know, produce our own products. So, I mean, we we set up shop in in the Houston market and, and I think you know sold over 10 million and produced in the Houston market over 10 million medical gowns over the past year. really interesting you know it like we were talking about you know in, in, in preparation for this podcast interview is it's always interesting how much goes on in the background you know to the average to the average healthcare worker you know with 
what what their particular site picture is. You know, they say, okay, I'm going to do this task. It required this PPE. They'll go to the to the rack on the wall outside the patient room or to central supply or the unit supply, and you know they'll get what they need. They'll go to the task. They'll put it in the hazardous waste. They have a company that comes and takes out the hazardous waste, and everybody goes about their business. And like you said, you know those disruptions just just the butterfly effect alone with somebody goes to take care of a patient and they don't have their size of natural gloves or they don't have the N95 that they have a fit test on or any number of these little things that cause these ripples that can ultimately stop an operations uh, hospital's operations so really interesting um so i know um i know that uh, just from the nature of your business, you know, you been, I know you told us before you spent some time over in over in China in different areas. Did you have any kind of any kind of early indicators or early insight into the into the pandemic as you've been tr in your travels and whatnot? Um, well, funny enough, story. Uh, I was in Wuhan in October of 2019, and uh, that's you know. When that came up, it kind of scared me to death because, you know, all of my friends obviously made the first joke. Well, patient zero right here. Uh, I wasn't, obviously, but uh, but I just happened to be through there because, you know, we on our industrial side, we have factories there as well. Um, <clears throat> no, we really didn't see it coming. Um, I don't think anybody really could until the fact, you know, the factory started giving us lead times. They started uh, increasing their costs, increasing their lead times. And, and listen, that was a, you know, you know Albeit to me to get political, but that was a you know, that was a strategy of on China's part. The the government was confiscating a lot of the supply, and that includes everything, not just not just the things we're talking about here today. That includes me medicine, a lot of medicine that's made there. People don't know that a lot of a lot of your typical you know I guess more generic been in the market a while uh, medical uh, you know medicine is is made in China, and, and that got uh, interrupted as well. So it wasn't just the the PPE; it was other things. We started seeing it a few weeks into it uh, when when you know when we started getting again, like I said, lead times. And uh, I think a lot of people, you know, they don't understand lead times in the business. And when you order things, when you manufacture things, uh, you, you manufacture, you you put in an order. It takes day, it takes a month to get supplies. It takes a month to produce, and then it takes about another month to get here. So it's really hard to do two large of uh, moves and two, you know, very large, I guess, sales and things like that on a quick level. It just doesn't happen quick. We have to plan out a quarter in advance. We have to know a quarter in advance of what our demand is going to be. Now, in January of 2020, we obviously had no idea what was the demand was about to come. Uh, so we didn't plan for it and no one else would have either. I mean, it's just, that's just business, you know, and as, as much as we love to talk about the things that we do to create great products and to be the safest product, we're still a business just like everybody else. So we have to make business decisions as well. And, and <clears throat> so we did the best we could after we found out, you know, discovery of what's going on and, and where this has taken us. And that's why we, you know, we saw things like, you know, us actually having feet on the ground in certain, in certain Asian countries to, to do quality assurance checks, uh, to make sure the product is what it actually is, to make sure it's being made in a factory that is FDA approved and, and, and meets all of those requirements. 
those are the levels we did, you know, along with actually setting up shop and manufacturing here in the United States to, to take care of that void in, in, in the supply chain. Yeah, that, that's that's super interesting. So with that being said, um, I know you mentioned a minute ago how as y'all were working with a lot of the healthcare organizations and, and just organizations in, in general, you know, working on what their needs are and how y'all can help to, to provide solutions there. Obviously, of course, there's, you know, there's a lot of, um, whether it be regulations or, or national consensus standards and a lot of different things that are involved in this. What, what kind of steps did y'all take to um, to kind of build confidence with a lot of the a lot of the purchasing organizations that, that y'all's products meet those same quality standards and they have the right um, the right um, uh, approvals and whatnot? Uh, great question. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned earlier counterfeit and fraud was huge. I mean, it, it became a, a big problem. It, you know, it was on the news and, you know, <laughs> we definitely didn't want Tomahawk on the front page of Texas Monthly is, uh, you know, for whatever reason. So, you know, a couple steps we made, listen, we, we were up all night, all through the night trying to find these products for our customers. I don't remember, I don't, I didn't have a day off between February and July 4th. July 4th was our first actual day off. And I don't mean they, I mean, including the weekends, I, you know, we were up in the middle of the night trying all over the world because at, at certain points in the pandemic, parts of the world hadn't been affected yet. They later did, we didn't know if they ever would, but they had supplies. So it became a hoarding war and, and a price war. And, you know, we we did our best to try to ensure that, you know, these products are what they are. So a couple of things we did. Number one, we required extensive documentation. We wanted to see everything. You had to have the approvals for not only the factory, but the product you say you're making. So it had to meet FDA you know, requirements and also, you know, to meet supply needs. You know, there were a lot of emergency use authorizations allowed, you know, for for certain situations, we, you know, that became the, you know, a different type of mask is now is now qualifies or a certain type of gown that was not qualified before now is. And so we were, that, that opened up the market a little bit for us to go out there and find the supplies, but not too much. Uh, we also, when we could get on the ground at, at the factories. So in certain countries, we would actually, uh, you know, go ourselves to make sure and in certain countries we would hire out organizations that would actually go there and verify uh, that this factory is what it says it is that they are doing what they say they're doing and that in the product that's hitting the dock is actually you know what they you know what what, what they're claiming it is uh, another uh, you know in addition to that we always had samples um, you know, they have to see these things. They have to make sure they, they're okay. They have to make sure that was easy for them a long time ago when they had, they were only buying from you know, sources that they've known for forever, very qualified sources, but now they've had to go at different sources. That puts another strain on these, you know, the purchasing professionals at these different healthcare organizations, but we would make sure we, okay, here's the sample, here's the product, here's the Here's all of the documentation that you need that qualifies it. And here's some more. Here, here's a video of the actual product. I mean, we did a lot of things like that to, because literally every organization was becoming a victim of fraud, including Tomahawk. 
I mean, we had to really watch who we were talking to. We had to go to extreme lengths to verify suppliers. I mean, I know organizations much bigger than Tomahawk that that lost multiple tens of millions of dollars in fraud this um, you know during this crisis. So those are the things we did to assure them. Uh, you know, they had to take some chances in some cases uh, just because they can't live without the product, right? This is not a hope, you know, this isn't just about money. This is about actual health care and actual lives on the line. So we, we, we did everything we could, um, you know, to ensure that quality. And, you know, we didn't have any really hiccups there. We, we really, I think our, our, our quality assurance program really paid off. I mean, we, we, we hit it every single time. Yeah, that's definitely a definitely a lot of factors there, and it sounds like y'all you put a lot of planning and a lot of um, due diligence into it. That, that's great, and, and I didn't know that. Um, well, I shouldn't say I didn't know. I definitely knew. Um, it's just interesting when when you when you elaborate on it like that. The to think of the individual organizations, not only those that are purchasing, but like you said, those like your company where you're in the process of of making things and you have raw materials and you have you know input and output to your system and how people can the the states can go up that high like you said tens of millions of dollars that's that's a that's a harsh situation for sure and the well you, you know Corey you had you know the, the price changes you know causes the the total you know total quantities of, you know, cost of things to go you know through the roof because you know in nine five masks there were selling for three and four and five times what they were before the pandemic. And, you know, that was a lot of hoarding that was going on and, you know, in, in certain countries and, you know, they, they'd be a country where a mass manufacturer would use as a regional storage. Well, that guy that owned that company, he would start a bidding war essentially. And unfortunately that's really what happened in a lot of cases. Um, it was tough. <laughs> It was very. It was a. It was an extremely tough year, but it was a dynamically difficult uh, few months in the early going because, I mean, you you were just in a gang fight. You didn't know who was going to be swinging at you. You didn't know where the next punch was coming. I mean, it was just like that. And we said so we had to keep our standards, in, you know, as, as high as humanly possible while we were while we were chasing down answers for these medical uh, organizations. Yeah, it's it's intense for sure. I um, it, it's interesting all the different perspectives of it. Um, because I know I'm a, I'll say you know quote unquote on the street, you know where we're, you know at the same time we're going around and we're, you know at one point the city was accepting donations of of PPE items and respirators and whatnot, and you know we were we were validating everything you know two three times over for due diligence and checking lot numbers for counterfeits and. Just this ongoing, um, ongoing quality assurance effort, and, and it sounds like y'all were y'all are dealing with that just the same on on your end, just from a different perspective. That it's really a trip. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, heck. Um, so so far we've talked about, you know, we talked about about Tomahawk safety and how y'all came to be and the different products that you're involved in and how that relates to healthcare and how that's been affected by this. COVID-19 pandemic over the, the last 16 months and everything about that 
So to kind of put that into a into a context, um, if you could, can you kind of give our give our listeners just kind of the the annotated kind of short version of um, origin uh, abridged the abridged short version of <laughs> the PPE process of like how y'all go about you know needs assessments and development and then the, the manufacturing and distribution like how does that all unfold? Well, Tomahawk is kind of a two-pronged company now, uh, especially for the past year. There's more of a medical, uh, you know, our medical side and then our industrial side, which I lead. And that is a, you know, dealing with professionals on product design is much more of an industrial thing um, for us. We, we, you know, we work with them to to try to figure out the best ways to, to improve fit, to improve protection, to improve longevity to you know improve a, an organization's safety record and also to improve their their environmental impact right if they're throwing away less products they're lasting longer they're that's, that's a positive environmental uh, change there on the on the medical side you know <clears throat> distribution has become a little easier now i think most things have kind of worked themselves out a little bit uh, nitrile gowns uh excuse me nitrile gloves have, have really not uh, you know, the, the biggest problem we have, uh, Corey, is that the hospitals are now competing with a lot of different customers. Um, almost everyone is buying natural gloves now. You know, we were we were dealing with our manufacturer in Thailand, and I remember the conversation clearly that if every natural glove producer in the world produced at 110%, they'd still be about $2 billion gloves a month short of worldwide demand at the time. That's how, that's the deficit in natural glove manufacturers cannot, um, you can't just put that up in a pitch tent and start making natural gloves. It's really a difficult process to set up the factories to get the environmental, uh, you know, issues with the factories. There's a reason they're not made, these products aren't made here, quite frankly, for the most part. It's, it's, it's an environmentally intrusive, you know, process and it's dangerous. And so our environmental laws usually don't require, you know, aren't, aren't open to it, but, you know, we could make the gowns here. So we did. Um, we, we tried to, like I said, we started making and producing the gowns here in the United States. Um, you know, the upside to that is you can, they can come and put their eyes on the process and themselves. They can come to our factory uh, in, in Houston and take a look at it. Um, the other upside is time to delivery. If they order, we can have it there in a week. Uh, we can't do that with, you know, work in the traditional distribution model of producing in, in the in the Asian geospace. So we're trying to do that. Uh, what we've seen and, and what we're, you know, what we've heard, what we've seen is it looks like healthcare organizations are going to make a long-term decision to at least produce, a, or excuse me, procure a certain amount of their products made in, you know, the United States or in North America. Now that's a big departure. Um, you know, that's going to, you know, that's a, that's a much increased cost as well, but it's a big departure from how business is done as a whole. I mean, we, we, re, we really learned a lesson in having all of our eggs in one basket, and that was basket was China, right? And so, you know, we're kind of realizing we really can't do that again. Uh, this probably will happen again at some point in the future. Hope not, but, you know, it probably will uh, just by common sense. So, uh, you know, that's that's a couple of things, you know, that, that I see you know, as a change, as something that's going to happen in the future. Uh, as far as working with medical professionals to, to develop uh, 
medical supplies, we generally go off of their standards. Uh, we look at what they give us as far as, okay, this is what we're looking for, and we try to make it the highest quality of that based on their standards as we can. On the industrial side, we have a little more of a product design on our own. We kind of go and, and, and say, we think we have a solution for you as opposed to you tell it, you know, the, the organization telling us what the, what the solution is, because we can be, you know, I'm a product design expert. They are the medical experts. So they have to tell us medically what they need. We go out and, and on our end and make it the, you know, the most protective, longest lasting version of that product that we can. That's great. That's great. Yeah, a lot of a lot of different variables there. And um, I know it's one of those things that's, you know, it's been talked about since since needles have been used or sharps that, you know, there's always that need for for gloves that can protect against a needle stick, you know, but then at the same time, they've got to meet all the, you know, infection control standards and then, you know, they've, all the different factors that go into that. So, um, always a continual improvement effort um so that's great that y'all are involved in that and making sure that you're you know, you're hitting all those milestones that already exist and then working on on the continual improvement side <clears throat> well cool um that's that's great stuff and um we the pandemic a little bit um what um what did y'all um what did y'all start to see and hear, you know, about um, going into last summer? So about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, what were some of the indicators, some of the things that y'all started to see and hear where you could tell that uh, the price gouging and the counterfeiting was was really kind of getting out of control? Well, you know, during that period of time, it was a constant phone call. It was a constant Zoom call. It was It was just day and night all day long. You know, and we worked with end users. We also worked with distributors as well. Some of the big box MRO distributors who also supply some hospitals in some cases. And you you, you start to hear, I guess, what are the telltales of, of, a, of a someone overseas who is looking to sell something? What, what are the telltales? What's happening? Uh, we start to see after a while, you, you really are in tune with just how much product is actually out there, right? So when someone from Europe or Latin America or somewhere comes out and says, yeah, I have 10 million masks right now. No, you don't. There's there's no 10 million masks anywhere. Uh, and and it, 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 was, it became very obvious that way when you started learning just, you know, when we dug in and started learning just how, many, how much product is on the market, just how much is out there, you started to see, you know, who was who and what was what. Uh, you know, the stories came out where people were losing millions. There was one in particular I mentioned earlier. I'm not going to say the name of the company. I like the company a lot. It's a distributor, but I'm not going to, you know, blast them on a, on a, on a podcast. But we, we saw that. We started hearing the stories and in, in conversations we were having, uh, like the unrealistic uh, offers we had. Uh, we would, you know, we would ask for things that should be simple uh, for for evidence of proof of product, proof of quality, proof of origin, things like that. And we, they couldn't get it. Um, you know, things like that is, is what we saw. And, and obviously we heard it. And some things, 
you know, a one one organization in in Houston got in trouble for selling masks to a hospital system, or maybe the state of Texas. I, I can't remember for selling it to them at a certain price. It was six dollars or a little over six dollars, and the magazine put them on blast and said, "Look, these guys are selling for six. It generally sells for one." Well, that company is an American distributor. They didn't buy that product for the normal cost they did they bought it just under that and that's just where where they were stuck selling it at so we were very cognizant of that because it once that gets out that you've done something like that which this company didn't really do if you you know gouging price gouging there was no going back so we quickly got out of the mask uh business the mask business was the the, the awful one uh it was very uh, sketchy and scary and uh we saw people producing uh, United States, we saw people producing everywhere, and we thought, okay, well, this problem is going to solve itself. The real need is the is the is the surgical sterile surgical gowns. Uh, so we went into that because we knew we we could actually manufacture this product, and you know, we could actually control the you know where this product comes from, and and actually do it ourselves instead of depending on some unknown entity in some part of the world. Uh, you know, who knows who who knows where that product came from. Who knows, you know, like you said earlier, we, you know, back checking log numbers, uh, back checking everyone, get all the documentation on their, you know, make sure their FDA approved facility and the product meets all the standards. Those were things we had to do when organizations or whoever it was came in and couldn't offer those things. We knew immediately, okay, we're dealing with some more, some more fraud here or an attempted fraud. Yeah, that, that it's interesting. You know, it what it kind of triggers in my in my brain is the way you're the way you are articulated that with you know knowing the the site picture and the situational awareness of you know if these organizations or the, these companies that manufacture you know they have the capability to put out X amount of product and then you have the distribute the distributors you know they pick up X amount of product and they distribute it throughout these geographic regions you know. So you can tell just from that, you know, what's feasible, you know, somebody, like you said, if somebody were to say, you know, we have, we have in our possession, we have 10 million in 95, you know, and you go, well, that's, that's not feasible or possible. You know, it, it kind of brings to mind, like with safety, you know, in the last year or, or in general, you know, we'll, we'll talk to some people and they'll say something like, you know, well, we're doing, we're doing this operation with X amount of patients and these types of facilities and then in our head we're thinking well you know if, if for you to do that safely it would require you know this amount of this amount of ppe or this amount of you know consumable items or whatnot and then we then of course we'll find out later that uh, the, the operation was not taking place in a in a safe manner you know so it's unfortunate um but being able to know enough about what's going on to to put the pieces together that that's really interesting <clears throat> But um, well, heck, that's um, a lot of great information there, and a lot of stuff like we said that you know a, a lot of people, unless they're involved in the the supply side or the the procurement side or whatnot, they a lot of times haven't seen this kind of stuff. It's and it all like we've seen in the last year, it certainly it certainly adds up and it reaches that critical mass level to where it can affect the operations, and that's what we always talk about with. You know, if, if we don't handle it at the at the lowest level, where we're able to prevent these incidents through 
you know, through the both compliance and the hierarchy of controls and situational awareness, you know, then eventually the frequency the frequency may go down, but the severity goes way up. You know, we get to that point where it's full on emergency management to where the frequency is very low, but the, op- the operational severity, you know, it, it shut down the whole economy, you know, yeah. for a part of the world. Well, you know, I, I think collectively things I hope we learned is, you know, we can't put all of our eggs in one basket. We can't all, we can't depend on one country because as comfortable as we get in the current political crisis, or excuse me, the current political climate, things can change at the drop of a hat. Uh, it can change by a president, a new president, change by a new leader at, uh, in, a, in that country. So that's one thing I hope we learned. I hope people learn just how how tight supply chain supply chain is, and in, in, in the lines are disruptions. Learning about how that is. I know a lot of people aren't in business. It's really tough to to maintain that. But really, the it was the Wild West for a while, and these medical, I feel so sorry for, I, I empathize with the purchasing people in these medical organizations, you know, but how hard they worked and how <clears throat> difficult their job was. And it went from being, a, you know, a job they could control where, where it was all out war and they couldn't control it. And, I, you know, having said all that, you know, as far as I know, and this is what I've heard and learned and understood, no one in the United States ever died because of a lack of medical equipment or proper uh, medical equipment, having the proper medical equipment. And like I said, I'm not 100% on that because who knows that could change in a day. But that, the last I heard, that was the case. And I think that is just a testimony to a, an enormous amount of people working extraordinarily hard to make you know, make these things available and to get them into where they needed to be. And, and, and it just makes me, it puts me in awe to go back and look at knowing the crisis we were in, that somehow that, that happened and, and we were able to achieve that level of, of uh, ability for our customer, for, you know, our patients or, you know, in, in the United States for everyone in the United States at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a that's a lot that a lot that happened, and the fact that people were able to, you know, I, I don't I don't like to say that we're adapt and improvise like a like a uh, nonchalant, you know, kind of laissez faire thing, but um, they um, you know, adapt, improvise, overcome in a way of, you know, finding practical solutions that can still maintain that level of safety. Um, so, like you said before, you know, with the emergency youth authorizations and um, you know, vetting, vetting PPE items and, and developing those processes, you know, with being able to identify, you know, through the task analyses who needs the PPE so that the people who are able to either use, um, you know, substitute of locations or engineering controls and visual separation and ventilation and filtration, you know, all those things can come in place first. But then for those that have to be you know, within that six foot proximity to potentially infectious people, then then the PPE is there and we're able to, to vet that and get our hands around it. So I, I, I certainly agree that, you know, the the country and the, and the healthcare community in particular have just done a, an outstanding job, but um, I shouldn't say, but that, that came out wrong. Um, and in, in addition to that, you know, y'all, y'all have done a, a great job with, with your side of it, you know, because of course, that's one thing I've always said to all of our logistics teams, you know, everything we've done is, you know, um, 
you know, take a, take a good amount of, a good amount of pride, you know, and, and confidence in what you do, because without logistics, without manufacturing, without supply line, you know, none of this stuff can happen or it can happen, but it'll just be a totally different level of risk. Yes. Well, heck, um, it's been a great conversation. So, um, you know, real quick before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to like to bring up with our listeners today, or anything you want anything you want to plug? Uh, no, uh, you know, uh, thank you for having me on. I, I really greatly appreciate the 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 invite and to being able to you know come in and you know really what I was hoping out of this was you, your listeners will understand you know the situation we were in, uh, how great of a job collectively the the country did, and 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 keeping us above the, our head above water uh with the with the pandemic and, and and controlling it and also you know if uh i actually have a, a podcast as well the mission zero podcast uh, please come listen to it uh we we're, we're kind of new there we are more of an industrial safety uh but we we talk about a wide variety of things i just uh, sat down with a, a swat team member from dallas he's got his own um, self-defense and gun safety uh, company in the, in the DFW area and he's doing outstanding things. So we talk to a wide variety of people about things. So please come take a listen. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because I have listened to your podcast and, and we do enjoy it. There's a lot of great guests on there and great information. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, definitely. Um, we appreciate you being here. It's a great, great talking to you as always. Um, course i know we're, we're going into sort of look at the year goes by so quick it's almost may now um so i know you i know you're a veteran we appreciate your service and uh um, i'm thinking of uh, memorial day in may so um a lot, lot going on but um well thank you i appreciate that oh absolutely absolutely um but yeah for those of you that are listening going into may um we have our uh, our next webinar will be coming up excuse me, um, May, uh, May 14th uh, with Sean Galloway. We're going to be talking about leadership buy-in and culture change. And then going into June, uh, on June 4th, we're going to have Dr. Pam Hunter, and she's going to be talking about her dissertation, which is on workplace violence prevention and healthcare. Then on June 25th, we're going to be talking to uh, Todd DeVoe, who's a certified emergency manager, and he's the host of the EM Weekly podcast. We're going to be talking about emergency management. Is related to healthcare, and then we'll have some more podcasts um, coming up here in the next next week slash months. Um, so definitely be on the lookout for that. We have one we just posted with Dr. Emma Mitchell on needle stick, sharps injury, and bloodborne pathogen exposure prevention. And then of course um, we'll have more coming up. So if there's ever any topics or um, different hazard areas or any initiatives that anybody would like to see or hear more information about, uh, always please feel free to let us know. And you can always reach us at the ASSP Healthcare Practice Specialty website and or the Healthcare Practice Specialty Discussion Boards on the ASSP communities. And we always welcome any feedback or input. Any questions or concerns, definitely feel free to let us know. But uh, that being said, we appreciate everybody's time today and we'll, we'll talk to you real soon. Have a great day.